Well, for all intents and purposes, Pac-12 football is done. And I was thinking about the role that George Klyovkov played. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free, but until then, beloved and loaded Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Why am I suddenly thinking about George Klyovkov today? We've got quarterbacks to think about later in the show and eligibility and such, and just a smidgen of Pac-12 hoops because they had a pretty good weekend, all things considered. But I was thinking about George Klyovkov because Pac-12 football is now done. Washington has played Oregon. They're going to the playoff. And I'm just thinking about this conference that had not one, but two of the four Heisman Trophy finalists that has sent a team to the college football playoff that has had half of its league ranked for most of the year. And then at the end of this season, SEC anti-West Coast bias decided to creep back into the fold and make it so that, oh yeah, there are only four teams ranked in the conference going into bowl season. And we'll see how that plays out. But the coaching carousel, it throws that all kind of up into the air. But for most of the season, the Pac-12 had at least six teams ranked. You had two Heisman Trophy finalists. And and this feels like an era of college football now with a transfer portal where things are a little bit more balanced out from a talent standpoint. And that's why this college football playoff I'm really excited for because I think you have two great matchups. I think you have a slugfest and a shootout with Washington, Texas being the shootout. Bama, Michigan's the slugfest. I think they're going to be fantastic games just like they were last year in the semifinal. We'll crown a national champion probably in a more competitive way. And I'm thinking about the Pac-12's role in all of this and going, wait a minute, the Pac-12's got a team in the playoff. They've got another team in the New Year's Six. They've got two other teams that are ranked. And Utah's quarterback wasn't healthy this year. And USC went 7-5 and five with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. All of that. And that's why George Klyovkov is on my mind here. Because when the whole media rights discussion and debate and speculation was going on over the summer months, which I talked about at length here, here on the show, I think we all have a pretty good understanding of, you know, how that all went down. I think that George Klyovkov, George Klyovkov's biggest mistake as PAC 12 commissioner was not forcing the presidents to fall in line and take security because If you looked at the situation right now, even without USC and UCLA, who are unranked at the moment and went seven and five this year, does it feel like the Pac-12 or 10 or whatever it would be as a conference could survive? They'd be taking in, under my ideal realignment scenario, the Mountain West champion Boise State, along with Fresno State, the American Conference champion SMU, and San Diego State down in Southern California? Does that feel like a viable conference going forward? Because I look at what's going on with the ACC in Florida State, and, you know, it seems like they're unhappy there. I don't know that they can actually leave. They tried once, and it did not work out. 
But doesn't that feel like a conference that can compete going forward? Doesn't that feel like a conference that is better than the new look Big 12? I certainly think so. Even if Colorado had left. Look at the teams and everything that you had. And I think Klyovkov's biggest error was last year when, which could have kept Colorado in the mix, apparently, by the way. When, when the ESPN offer came down and it was for $30 million per school per year, he presented that to the presidents and they said no. And that is where he needed to be more authoritative. And yes, Klyovkov does work for the presidents. He's elected to work by the presidents, but he also has a job. And I think about it with the dynamic of a president and the chief of staff. So I'm a huge fan of the West Wing. It's my favorite television show of all time. I've seen it repeatedly. One dynamic that they explore in that show, amongst many, and I think they do very well, is the, is the dynamic between the president and the chief of staff. And there are times where the chief of staff is protecting the president. No, you may not go see him. No, this is not worth his time. No, you cannot give him that piece of information until you have it on really solid ground. Other times, it is the responsibility of that chief of staff to be more than just a friend to the president and to give him tough love and to sit him down and say, you are wrong. Here is why. And this is what we need to do for the good of X, Y, and Z. And I think that when the president's rejected that proposal and the Utah president came back and said, no, we're worth closer to $50 million a year, not $30 million a year. You can get a number that's bigger than that. George Klyovkov needed to look him in the eye and say, no, we, we might be, you might think we are, but that's not what they're telling us. And this has to be done right here, right now, or something worse is going to happen. And I think that that mistake was his biggest failure as a leader, because at that point in time, once he was, you know, essentially doing the bidding of the presidents who were arrogant and misguided in their desire to get a better deal than the one ESPN had offered for all of the Pac-12's media rights. His hands were kind of tied because the market then took a downturn and then you had all this sort of stuff and they cobbled together the Apple deal and whatnot. And Washington, Oregon didn't like it enough. So they hopped, jumped ship to the Big Ten and that triggered the downfall of everything else. But not having the strength and the courage to put his foot down and say, no, I don't care what you think. I am here to negotiate or be the middleman between you and these media people over here. And this is what they are willing to offer. And we need to take that or something else could happen. And it's one of many steps. By the way, George Klyovkov is not the primary individual responsible for the downfall of the Pac-12. He was a contributing factor with that particular move. Once that move was made, I don't think there's anything he really could have done. There wasn't a better offer that was out there that financially was lining up with the directives that he had gotten from the Pac-12 presidents who were overvaluing their own league. That could not have happened, at least in my opinion. And so I think that the inability for him to get everyone in line, including Colorado at the time, according to what the reporting was, and say, this is what we need to do to stay together as a conference. It may not be enough, but guess what? Who would you rather be right now? The Pac-12, essentially dead, or the ACC? On thin ice, but still above water. 
I'd rather be the ACC. And no, the ACC doesn't look like a great situation right now either. Their media deal, if it were up for debate or or up for negotiation right now, and there were bidders on it, it'd be worth, I I think, probably quite a bit more than what their current deal actually is, which goes for another 13 years. And Florida State wants to get out of it. The Magnificent Seven wanted to get out of it and everything. But I was just sitting thinking about the Pac-12 actually being done, how we got here. And yeah, the presidents, for various reasons, were the primary culprits in getting us into this horrible situation. And some were certainly more responsible than others. You can look at Fox and you can look at USC. You can look at the Big Ten. You can look at George Klyovkov, all that sort of stuff. It started with the presidents, their inability to see the landscape appropriately and accurately put the Pac-12 in a dire situation. But George Klyovkov in that particular action, he could have saved the league. And I was someone who during the media rights talk negotiations and whatnot and speculation period, I was a defender of George Klyovkov only in the sense that I was waiting to reserve judgment until the media deal came about. Well, he gets an F and it was really just the one decision because I think he found really the best and only deal that was available after the initial one was turned down. I think his failure came well before that. Wanted to get that off my chest. I feel like many people might very well agree. It didn't have to be this way, and yet it is. This great conference that just had such a great season is no more. Oregon State is currently, what, top 20 in the college football playoff rankings? They're playing Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl, and they don't have a home. Make it make sense. It just doesn't. eBay Motors makes sense, though, because passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also What keeps your ride or die alive? eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, which is what quarterbacks can do, as we'll talk about in a moment. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 100 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. quarterbacks 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 that's all the rage in the transfer portal why well it's the most important position you know not just in football but in all of sports it matters a great deal and there are a lot of options out there and transfers by the way those two pac-12 heisman finalists i mentioned oh yeah both transfers one from the big 10 michael Penix, one from the sec bo nix caleb williams the winner last year transfer from oklahoma This is why this stuff gets so much attention and gets talked about so often. And it's because it matters a great deal and affects not just an individual team season, but also the greater landscape of college football. So three, three names, three names to watch for here. And there are, there are a couple that I've mentioned before here on the show. So one of them is Taylor green, who was the quarterback for the last couple of years at Boise state. Big guy has played a a decent amount of football in his day. He is mobile. He's got a huge arm. He's a really good athlete. He's not always the most accurate guy in the world. Think like a poor man's Anthony Richardson. That's what Taylor Green is. Now, the curious thing about Mr. Green is that he played high school football in Louisville, Texas. 
Oh, by the way, do you know who else played there? This guy by the name of Damian Martinez, who will not be participating in Oregon State's bowl game because of an off-the-field incident, but is fully expected to be on Oregon State's roster come 2024. I am still anxiously awaiting their schedule announcement. I want to see who they're playing and when. It will be fascinating. I will definitely talk about it here on the show, but we haven't seen that just yet. But Oregon State, presently, does not know who their starting quarterback would be for 2024. It's going to be Ben Goldbranson for the bowl game against Notre Dame, which I'm just fascinated to watch. Trent Bray's not coaching in that one. He's out recruiting, put together a staff and everything like that. But I think that for the Beavs, there are a number of different directions that they could go. So Taylor Green, the tie to Damian Martinez, I can see it. I can absolutely see it. Uh, Green has played against Oregon State, did so last year when uh, the Beavs hosted them in Corvallis, and I think we're up 24 to nothing uh, at the half. It was a really good performance by Oregon State. I bring that up to say that Green likely has a positive impression of, wow, that environment at Reeser is great. Wow, that Oregon State team's pretty good. Hey, I went against that defensive coordinator who's now their head coach. That guy was pretty darn sharp, which he is. So, Talon Green is a name to monitor there. I haven't really heard or seen or read anything with regards to where he might be leaning, but I think that that name is an interesting one to say the least. This name's been flying under the radar, and I I just am I, I'm really really curious where he could end up going. He's visiting BYU. His name is Braden Shager. Braden Shager was the quarterback at Hawaii this season, and that's a guy who is really interesting to me because at the Mountain West level, he was productive this year. Do I think he's got the capability of stepping it up? Maybe not to a high-level Power 5, but to a lower level, like a newly minted Power 5 team like BYU? Yeah, I think Shager could be in there. I've mentioned those two guys before, though. They have not yet found homes, at least as far as I am aware. I'm doing a quick Google search of Taylor Green just to be sure. But it does look like uh, he recently took a, vi- a visit to Arkansas. Still, I would not rule out Taylor Green uh, going to one of our new Pac-2 schools, if that's what we're going to call them. There's another name that everyone should be aware of before I talk about Cam Ward. And that name is Ty Thompson. So Ty Thompson was once upon a time the highest rated quarterback commit in the history of Oregon football, as in the Ducks, newest member of the Big Ten. Gross, I know. He was one of the crown jewels of the 2021 recruiting class that was the highest rated in program history under then head coach Mario Cristobal. He stuck it out as Cristobal departed for Miami. He has been sitting behind Bo Nix for the last two years. He's in the transfer portal. He's got two years of eligibility. I think there are a couple of logical spots for Ty Thompson to go. Number one, Arizona State. He's a Gilbert, Arizona native, first of all, and second of all, He played last year, albeit as a backup quarterback, under now Arizona State head coach Kenny Dillingham. And I've just say, I'll just say, I've heard rumblings about Jaden Rashada potentially ending up elsewhere down there. So that is certainly a possibility. Now, is that the only potential landing spot for him? I don't think so, no. He is an unproven commodity at some level, at, at, at most levels, frankly. His numbers this year were very good. He went 24-31. He had over three or almost 300 passing yards. He had, I think, four touchdowns and a pick and completed set. That's 77% of his throws. Now he's in mop-up duty, 
But last year, I can tell you, when he came into the game, it was not as good. And he looks like a significantly better version of himself. He is six foot five. He's got a huge arm. He's got a good release. And when he delivers an accurate football, it looks really, really impressive. And that's a guy who learned from Bo Nix for two years under a couple of good offensive coordinators and Kenny Dillingham and Will Stein, who was a finalist for the Broyles Award this year. That's a guy who is going to garner some interest. How much and where? Not sure. But could he fit at either Washington State or Oregon State? One hundred percent. Because if you're Oregon State, do you want someone who's going to come in and you know be solid, be serviceable? You might want to have that option available in the event that Ty Thompson isn't the Power Five capable starter that he showed the potential to be in the limited action he did see this year. But that is a guy who, frankly, I think could remind you very much of DJ Uyunglele, perhaps with a tad more refinement, not as experienced. There may be some growing pains to his game. In fact, it's almost assured that there will be. He's been in college football for three years, but he has zero career starts, and that is certainly the drawback. The upside is very great. I think the downside is also pretty high. I think it's a high floor, or sorry, high ceiling, low floor move. But it is interesting to say the least. So I think that either of those schools, Oregon State or Washington State, could be a fit. I think Wazoo is a slightly better fit. The way that they move their quarterback, I mean, Oregon State ran the quarterback a pretty good amount this year. And Ty Thompson can move. I think he's got an athleticism that that rivals DJ Uyunglele. But if he went up to Washington State, yep, I could see him fitting up there. I could see him working down at Oregon State. I think he's a little bit more spread capable. He doesn't have any reps you know, in the few snaps he has taken in college football operating under center. But I think that that's an interesting name to watch for nevertheless. And we're going to continue following the quarterback carousel. If you got any questions about it, drop them in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. I find this stuff to be highly fascinating. Speaking of fascinating, Cam Ward has got a lot of potential suitors. He's not going to Oregon because they've added Dylan Gabriel. There have been rumors about Ohio State. There have been rumors about Miami. I think there's been a Florida State and Auburn rumor mixed in there once upon a time. I don't think anyone has a great feel for where he's going. The most interesting rumor, and, and it is very much rumor, it doesn't feel like it's a primary option, would be Washington. If Cam Ward went to Washington, he might lose favor with Cougar fans really quickly. I wouldn't exactly blame them for that. If Ty Thompson went to Oregon State, Oregon fans like myself, I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. But if Cam Ward went to Washington, boy, I don't think that would go over well in Pullman. I don't think that's going to happen. It appears their top target is Will Rogers, the Huskies, that is. But Cam Ward is a guy who has got just such immense potential. I'm a huge Cam Ward fan. By the way, I wanted Oregon to get Cam Ward more than I wanted Dylan Gabriel. I, I think that Ward is a fantastic talent, definitely needs a little bit of refinement, but if you can give him a better team around him, I'm sorry, Washington State, but they went 5-7 and seven this year for a reason. Cam Ward was not always perfect. I completely agree. I think Cam Ward is, is very, very similar to what Bo Nix was when he was at Auburn. I also think if you go check out prize picks, you're going to have a really good time because they're the largest daily fantasy sports platform 
in all of North America, which is amazing. It's pretty awesome. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you'll watch the winnings roll in. Want to play alongside some of PrizePix's favorite players, like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community each week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half does not return in the second that player is rebooted prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy that's just one of the many reasons you should go check them out at prizepicks.com slash locked on college use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy. So, why do I compare Cam Ward to Bo Nix at Auburn? When Bo Nix was at Auburn, he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. And it became clear over the almost three full seasons that he played down there with the Tigers that he was not being given the best chance to succeed. He did not have the best receivers. He did not have a great offensive line. He had a couple good receivers, but they were just okay. He had to go through a couple of head coaches. There was a lot of turmoil. Now, I don't think that Cam Ward has undergone as much turmoil at Washington State. I think his receivers are good but there's not an all-conference selection in there. I don't think they use the tight ends a lot in their offense. In fact, I know that it's not a big part of their offense. They can't, They couldn't run the football, and they struggled to consistently protect Cam Ward. So when I look at those two guys and the traits that Cam Ward has, the plays he was able to make, and how it felt like at their first school they had to be Superman in order for the team to succeed, I think that there are parallels between him and Bo Nix, meaning if he goes to the right situation, I do think he can play at a Heisman level. This is a guy who was top 10 in the country in passing yards this year per game, and he was doing it at Washington State with good receivers, one of whom Josh Kelly is in the transfer portal. That could be a nice pickup for somebody. He had a good season for the Cougs up in Pullman this year. But can you find a better supporting cast and a better overall team than what Washington State had this year? Absolutely. You could find that in all sorts of places. Ohio State, boy, that'd be a good fit. I, I, I think Cam Ward with Ryan Day would be a seamless transition. He would have elite receivers. They do every year. Whether or not Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, the other guys come back. You know, Mecca Abuka was hurt this year. Julian Fleming, I think, is in the transfer portal. They're wide receiver you over there. They're going to have great weapons. They know how to recruit the offensive line. They run the football pretty well. Day is a great play caller, and he's a good quarterbacks coach. So I think that that fit is is outstanding. I don't think Hugh Freeze at Auburn is a bad fit. I, I If I'm Cam Ward, I'm doing everything I can to get to Ohio State because I think that that is the perfect landing spot for him as he plays out his final year of college football. Now, I I knew, I wasn't sure before the year started that he'd be back for another season. I thought he'd go to the NFL, but with the NIL valuation, this is the plus side of it. Five years ago, Cam Ward is gone to the NFL. No discussion, not thinking about it. 
we're not having this conversation. But in the NIL era, you heard Matt Rule at Nebraska say, good quarterback costs one, one and a half, maybe $2 million. He's not wrong. You want one of the top options, you got to be able to pony up that sort of money. And if you can play another year of college football, which I, like many others, think is the greatest sport in the world, and you can get one to two million bucks, eh, I'm okay putting my pro career on hold for a moment. I'll develop a little bit more, see if I can up my draft stock, and then go out next year. So I think that he is probably the highest, probably the hottest commodity at quarterback. I was going to say highest graded, but I don't know that he is that. I think he's the, uh, the most highly sought after quarterback still left in the transfer portal. And I think wherever he goes, you give him the right situation. Yeah, he he can make he can make one heck uh, of an impact there. Uh, before I get to Pac-12 hoops, some mailbag questions here that that I got from various sources. Uh, this one came in. Not sure I fully understand the rules about the eligibility of players to enter the transfer portal. My understanding is that a player may transfer and be immediately eligible. One, once for any reason, and or two, when their head coach leaves the team and or three, when that player graduates. Is that correct? Yes, you have you you understand it perfectly. You get one freebie. If your coach leaves, that's a hardship waiver that can be granted. And then wherever you're at, no matter how many times you've transferred, you can graduate and then be a graduate transfer and go be immediately eligible somewhere else. So DJ Uyunglele, for instance, used his one-time freebie to go to Oregon State. He graduates. He's going to go somewhere and get picked up. I still think UCLA, we will see what happens. And he'll be immediately eligible for one more season as a graduate transfer. Cam Ward, the same thing, because he came from Incarnate Word. So, yes, you understand that correctly. Uh, And you know who you are asking that question out there. Uh, Another one, the three quarterback finalists for the Heisman this year are all transfers in their second year at their current schools. Given that, is there a best time to bring in players to the transfer portal based on remaining eligibility? And does that vary by position? I might explore that more on tomorrow's show because I want to talk about some hoops to wrap up today. But I don't know that there's a specific time. I think you have to match the personnel with the player, right? So Oregon and Bo Nix or Penix and Washington were great fits because the personnel perfectly complemented and the coaching staff what the player is and how to maximize his skill set. So – I'm going to go into that more because I think there's uh, a lot more to that question than when I originally wrote it down in my notes for the show. But that's a that's a great question. I'll I'll give you more on that tomorrow. But I want to close the, today with some Pac-12 hoops because Pac-12 basketball is also playing its final season, so there is still you know Pac-12 matchups, which includes USC. Bronny James made his debut uh, against Long Beach State. They were playing a heck of a game, by the way. They were playing. Uh, a, a game that went into overtime. I did not see the final score. I was going to check it right now because it had not gone final. But the Pac-12 had one heck of a weekend on the old hardwood. Oh, Long Beach State spoiled Bronny James' debut. Oh, boy, 84-79, the, uh, the final score there. James had four points in 17 minutes. Not surprised he's coming back from a pretty scary health situation, easing into it and such. But Colorado beat number 15 Miami. That was just on Sunday. On Saturday, number one Arizona beat 23rd ranked Wisconsin by 25 points. Washington, I got to take a little bit of credit for for this one. I didn't make an outright prediction here, but I did get a mailbag question about, hey, 
what do you think about Washington? Do they have a chance against Gonzaga? I said, yeah, I don't think this is the best Zags team I've ever seen. I went to Santa Clara, which is a West Coast Conference school. I've watched and followed Gonzaga basketball very closely for the last several years. And I never thought this was the greatest team. And there was a big opportunity for Mike Hopkins, and he was at home, and I knew they were going to pack the place, and they did. And Washington played very well and and beat number seven Gonzaga 78-73. Arizona State got upset by San Diego, though the Toreros are after a good good start this season. Uh, Oregon won big, but the other big game really was uh, that Utah beat number 14 BYU. So that's one, two, three, four top 25 wins in one weekend for Pac-12 basketball. And look, football went out with a bang, right? Best the conference has been in a decade. Got a team to the playoff for the first time in seven years. Two teams playing in the New Year's Six. Had half the league ranked for most of the year. It was all there. Maybe Pac-12 basketball is lining up to do the same thing, to give us that same tease of, Oh, by the way, you know how this thing's going away? Ah, yeah, it never really needed to. It is, but it didn't have to. It's still early in the year. We haven't even turned over to conference play yet, but the early returns in the non-conference slate for the Pac-12, not bad so far. There's certainly been a couple of losses you don't love. If you're just a generic Pac-12 uh, college basketball fan, you know, you're Rob Lowe with the NFL hat, just soft applause. Um <laughs> One of the greatest photos ever. But that's a heck of a weekend. That's a heck of a weekend when you pick up four top 25 wins. I think this is going to be a pretty good year for Pac-12 basketball. That's what the early returns say. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.